I'm starting now. Hello and welcome to Doing the Woo, a Doctor Who podcast where we watch, analyze and discuss the crown jewel of Camp TV. We are the doers. I'm Daphne. And I'm Irma. And that's it. That's all we have for an intro. That's our intro. (laughs) Maybe we'll become funnier over the season. Yeah. Or maybe we'll become more boring. Um... It's a good season, so I think maybe, like, next season, season two, is going to be really boring. Yeah. For us and for everyone else. Like, if if we're suffering, you have to suffer too. And that's why we watch Doctor and, Who. And, anyway. Yeah. Daphne and I are both from Sweden. <laughs> we're not... We're, we're not, not thinking of, like, who are we? It's just, like, we are. <laughs> we're yeah. two... We're two 22-year-olds. And so yeah. we're not native English speakers, which is why we're gonna sound really wonky when we talk yeah uh especially my my accent is gonna just be like all over the place because uh i i lived in in scotland for like six months and then i like decided that that was my identity and i picked up the accent and then uh time has happened since then and it's somewhere in between (laughs) so so um yeah accents are gonna be weird yeah and to get into Doctor Who, I mean, because that definitely ties in with the accent. Yeah. And um, how we both got into Doctor Who. Because yeah. when I got into Doctor Who as like a 14-year-old, yeah. I that's when I started trying to speak British. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I remember those posts that were like, I'm not, I'm British at heart because I, lo- I watched Sherlock and I watched Doctor Who. Oh, no. That's, that's and I like I liked Harry Potter as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. and that's all you need for a British citizenship. <laughs> exactly, I think <laughs> that's the test that they do when yeah. you get a British passport. It's just like what like name every single character in Harry Potter. Yeah, and and who's your favorite companion? Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> so for the longest time I've had a British accent, but then like graduating and not speaking English on a daily basis in English class. Yeah. Like I've, it's sort of disapparated. Um, that's a Harry Potter word. No. No, but they do apparate and then they disappear. Dis- yeah, they disappear. Yeah, you mean disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's God. the Brit jumped out. Yeah, the Brit <laughs> she jumped out. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you get into Doctor Who? I got into... I think we got into Doctor Who at pretty much the same time. Yeah, but we didn't know each other at the time. No, because we got to know each other when we were like 16. Uh, Yeah, I got into Doctor Who when I was... I think... um, I think I saw... I I don't remember exactly when I started, but I do remember the first episode I saw live was uh, The Snowman. So Mm. that was 2012 Christmas. So long ago. So, that was ten years ago. Yeah, it's ten years ago since Clara became a companion. Oh my god. And since you watched your first live episode. Yep. So that's pretty like fitting to do this podcast. Yeah. Ten years after. Like yeah. a ten year anniversary. So yeah, but I think I mean that's the answer to the question when. Mm-hmm. Uh how about um why did you get into Doctor Who? <laughs> what what why? is wrong with you? Why did you do What it? happened? What went wrong? Um I 
I took acting lessons or I was like in an acting group mm. and I think I was 13 or 14 and there was a girl there who really loved Doctor Who and she was also on Tumblr and I'd never met anyone like in real life who was on Tumblr and so we talked about it and she loved Doctor Who and she told me to watch it and uh, I did and the rest is history. The rest is... <laughs> yeah. I, I think we discussed this earlier uh, when we first came up with the idea mm-hmm. of doing a podcast. Is, um, yeah. Being... Which was a long time ago. I mean, it was this summer, I think. No. Because when we were watching Rain, which is another great TV show. Yes, another camp TV jewel. Yes. <laughs> um, we were watching Rain and having great discussions about it. Yeah. And thinking maybe people would like to hear this. Could we not? What if we recorded our discussions about rain? Honestly, I think we should also do a rain podcast because I think we'd oh be God. the only one. We would. And wouldn't that be the most tragic thing if you're like a, a rain fan? <laughs> <laughs> you're a huge fan. You're like 14 years old. And you're like, oh my God, I want to listen to a podcast about this. And then you search it up and the only people who have it are the two of us. Yeah. The- who just absolutely bash it to pieces. Yeah. Bash. Bash. But okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so uh if if you can't tell already, this is a little bit of a um a special episode of this podcast. Um because uh we're kind of including um obviously it's going to be uh like I said in the intro, it's an analysis um and a discussion about Doctor Who and uh for this episode it's Rose, the first episode of season 1. Um but this episode is different because uh, we're kind of like putting everything in one. So we're also like talking about who we are and what this podcast is and, and what is it? Like, why are we doing this? What mm-hmm. is the purpose? I, what, what makes us different? What mm-hmm. do you say? Why, why are I mean, we different? So Daphne and I started re-watching Doctor Who about a year ago together. Yeah. And we kind of discovered that a lot of our opinions had changed or like we discovered that um, certain episodes, characters, plot lines were like not everything that we remembered them to be. And also that we, our opinions kind kind of differ a little bit from the general, the general opinion of yeah. the fandom. And we just wanted... Um, to have a platform to share our thoughts about this show. Yeah, and I, I also think it's it's kind of... Uh, obviously, like, it's meant to be fun also, but yeah. in a way of hopefully getting people to re-watch the show and, like, yes. re-watch it in its entirety. And I think it's... Especially if you haven't seen it in a while, it's very interesting to re-watch everything as a whole and just... Especially now, like, if you're joining um, before RTD2, because that, I think definitely that will... Because, like, before this, before we rewatched, we hadn't seen Doctor Who, like, since we were 13, like, when we first started watching. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of stick with it, but you don't, like, watch it. But you still know everything that happens, mm-hmm. you think. Um, so I think I would have felt very differently about Russell coming back than I do now. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so yeah, it's good in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, should we do some general questions about like Doctor Who, um, 
that's not so long, just like really quick ones. Like, let's do that. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's do this favorite series. Season eight. Yeah. I'm a season eight girl. It's the best one. A season eight truther. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. But this was also like the first season that I watched as it was coming out. I think I saw um, season seven as well. Yeah. Like the Clara part of season seven. Um, but season eight was like the one where I was really invested in like everything that was happening. And after every episode, every week, I would go on Tumblr and like join in on the discussion. And what is your favorite season? I like upon rewatch, I, I, I used to hate season eight, but I, I would not hate, but it wasn't my favorite. But like upon rewatch, I realized that it's good. But for me that, that, because I also watched that live. It was so, it wasn't the same experience because I was quite alone. Like my friends had stopped watching Doctor Who mm -hmm. and on Tumblr, like I remember being so against, like I hated Clara in season seven. Yeah, so I hated season eight. And you were not a 12 Clara truther. So no. That's why you didn't get, I was get a as local. much out of it. I was a local who didn't understand until, it's, it's it still baffles me how it took me to the like face the raven to understand what was going on like yeah. it, the end of face raven like oh okay there's a romance we will we will talk a lot about 12 and clara even like many seasons before yeah. any, either of them are introduced they will come up take a shot every single time we mention them please don't do that <laughs> you're going to die <laughs> Um, yeah, that kind of, um, goes into, yeah, my favorite series is, I think, series nine, I think. You think? I think, but I'm not sure, because I really like season eight, but... She loves season nine. I love season nine, but I also, like, it's hard to say, because there's so many good episodes in, like, previous seasons. Like, se series one is really good. Series three is really good, even though it has its views. Oh, actually, I think it's a tie between season five and season nine. Yeah. Season five, I think, is one of the best. It is. It's really good. It's like top three mm. seasons. Um, but that kind of carries into like favorite era. And I think for both of us, it's obviously... Um, Moffat. Moffat. But specifically, uh -oh. specifically, like not including se series six. God. <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, favorite companion? Clara. Yeah, same here. Favorite doctor? <laughs> 12. That's two shots, guys. Yeah, that's two shots. And I'm gonna say 12. So that's a third shot. Oh, God. But I, a very close second is nine. So just yeah. to not be boring, I'm gonna say nine. Favorite episode? That's hard. I don't know. I. But I do wanna say Mommy on the Orient Express. Oh, I think honestly, like I, and it's funny because I also hated that episode before rewatch. <gasps> Rings of Akiton, I oh, think, is my favorite episode. I thought you were gonna say the caretaker. No, but that's another one yeah. that I thought was absolute shite for so long. I was like, that's the worst episode I've ever seen. Then I watched it, and like, oh, it's not about the bad monster, like the badly. Yeah. little robot thing it doesn't matter that's not what it's about Daphne and I are not very invested in all the monsters I mean we will talk about them and some of some of them are a lot of fun but yeah. we will have a, a lot of focus will be on like characters and relationships and themes and writing 
yeah yeah storytelling yeah i think that that's that's really like genuinely what makes us different because i've tried like just to see what was out there listening to some other doctor podcasts uh especially rewatch and they're usually like very tied to like just the world of doctor who mm. and like the general world and talking about like the comics and the books and the trivia co- and trivia and stuff like that and whereas i think we at least intend to see it not as like a science science fiction franchise but more as like a work within itself like just doctor who the mm. tv show what is in the tv show like everything else doesn't really count to us mm. um so yeah i think that's about it for the little introduction introduction should we get into what we thought about rose because we mm-hmm. i <laughs> i didn't watch the full thing because i'm stupid yeah i think it's a good episode and i think it's well made i like the intro where like it's so fast paced and just these this like upbeat music and we're just dashing around town following rose until she gets attacked by mannequins yeah the autons i i was um thinking about like uh, cuz i made some really specific notes here um that song that they play at the beginning with mm-hmm. that what you just described like that scene mm. uh, or that montage it reminded me of the first episode uh an, an unearthly child mm-hmm. the kind of song like the little like guitar rock song that susan is listening to mm-hmm. is it's like not that they sound alike but just like they're so like this song even though it's composed by murray gold it's so different from like all the other soundtracks yeah um but i was thinking about like just how rose is as a person um and i think this is a great montage just to kind of get to know her um without really saying much mm-hmm. and especially like i th- honestly think like this little clip that they have of rose and mickey when she's having lunch oh. Yeah. It's really cute and I it really that. like describes their relationship. I think much better than when they actually allow Mickey to talk. Yeah. Cuz then he kind of is off sometimes, I think. Yeah, I think in general this episode I really like Mickey and Rose's relationship because Rose seems like she does really care about him. She starts crying when she thinks he's dead and they just have this like very easy, relaxed way of being around each other and but we get the impression and I think we talked about this when we saw it for the first time that they're like childhood friends yeah who, who just sort of, sort of started dating as like a natural progression of that relationship because they think that's what they're supposed to do but it's I, I don't get the impression that they met somewhere and were like oh we're really attracted to each other no, because we know from Father's Day that they knew each other when they were kids. Yeah, because although Mickey, he's oh, supposed to be so much older than her. Which which is, that's not like thought through at all. No, it's I don't not. think so. Sorry, sorry RTD, but you didn't think that through. No, there's like, no, they just thought it was funny if like, oh, this little kid comes running in and hugs Rose. And then we find out oh, that was Mickey. But it's not like... The implications of that is that he's almost, like, six years older than her. Yeah, because she's, like, a newborn baby. Which is 
obviously not supposed to be the case. Although I don't know how old the actors were. I mean, Billy was 19, I think. But yeah, Rose Rose is 19, at least. Yeah, but I mean, was, but, was yeah. the real age difference between yeah, the, uh, the actors? Yeah, I don't know. I just... I definitely, like... Uh, I never picked it up, like, on their relationship because the first time I watched Doctor Who, it was, you know, kind of forming my opinion around what everyone else on Tumblr thought. And that was just, like... Mickey's annoying and stupid and in the way of mm. the real romance, um, which is unfortunate seeing as of right now, he's the only character of colour who actually gets to stay around for a little bit and how he kind of gets in the way of like this great white romance. Yeah, just like Martha does later. Yeah. And just like and Danny. Danny. Yeah, yeah, the Doctor Who has an issue with... With that, I think def. I mean, the thing is, like, without getting too much into Danny, I think this. I think uh, Doctor Who obviously has a race issue, but I think particularly Russell T Davis has a race issue. Yeah, it's. I think it's, or maybe that has something to do with the times, because like, obviously racism still exists now. Uh, it's just that it's manifested in a different way because now everyone thinks that we're so not racist and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, um, Irma and I are both white, so we don't know um, a lot about this because it's not in our yeah. We're not experience. qualified to say like exactly um, how matters are, but I mean, we can yeah. still tell that this is not a great way to represent people of color yeah. in your show. And obviously, like, obviously, I don't think Russell was like, he wrote Mickey and he was like, he's this annoying little bitch who's always in the way. So, and he's black. I think that was just like a casting decision. But at the same time, and that just goes with like a little bit like colorblind casting, just not Mm. really thinking about The the implications. Like, great that you cast a black man in like at all but like bare minimum but still like it's great that he gets to be here but when you don't know you don't think about like the implications of things and you don't understand that maybe it's different if mickey's the only man or the only Mm -hmm. person of color and he gets treated differently than if mickey were white and he gets treated badly um anyway hard (laughs) Immediately hard. But I also think it's like, it's it's hard. I don't know. I think it's hard to watch Mickey at all. Because it's just like regarding casting. Knowing now what was going on behind the scenes. And like why Eccleston chose to leave. Which is just so sad. Because of like the just sheer amount of sexual harassment happening. It's just like, it's baffling. And I don't actually know if Noel Clark um actually like harassed someone on set of Doctor Who, but we know John Barrowman did. Um but just like knowing these people are absolute shits. And the way like Noah Clark talked about how Barrowman used to just whip out his dick everywhere and put it in people's faces and no, it's just like no. Uh it, it makes me it makes me upset and it makes me sad and it makes me and also like watching this episode, like why why Noel Clark? Like, he's not yeah. good. <laughs> and, like, that's... Yeah, that's different now. Because, like, when we re- rewatched it last time, 
the allegations weren't out yet. We didn't know. So that's also a new experience is coming in and watching and knowing that. And it does kind of ruin her. And it makes me look at Mickey in a different way, which is sad because I don't want to because I want to like Mickey because I want to be one of the only people who do. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Mickey. I I recognise that like that's not a real person. Mickey is not a real person. No. And I enjoy him as a character. And I don't think too hard about, like, what Noel Clark did. I don't know. In regards to, like, enjoying the show, I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I just think, like, just acting-wise, there's something off about... Like, he's not... He's not particularly good. He's not, like... Like, Billy and, and Christopher are just so, like... Watching them is just a joy, and it's so good, mm-hmm. and it's so like you, everything. Obviously, like them and Russell are the reason why Doctor Who is still going now, because they made that season so good, and they were so well cast. And I really don't think Noel Clark is pulling his weight at all. Like he's just, he's fine, but it's just like it's not. Yeah, I mean, I'm nitpicking. Well, he's I'm also nitpicking. not given. He's also not given at all the same material yeah. as Rose and nine so it's not really like yeah, comparable in terms of performance but yeah i think it's it's a shame and i think it's something to be brought up and brought to attention but it doesn't like affect like emotionally it doesn't affect how i view the character it does no. affect how i view the production yeah and like allowing this person to be, be a part of your team and employ them yeah Obviously, but it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm not like Mickey's still the same fictional character. He's not anything else. No, I, I get know. that. Yeah, but that kind of leads into, um, again, Mickey the character kind of leads into what I was earlier gonna say about like the childhood friends thing and how Mickey doesn't feel like a whole character because. I don't know, they just never really give him the material or the time. Like, But um, otherwise, yeah, like apparently he's older <laughs> than Rose. But at the same time, they're very much presented as like childhood friends or like mm-hmm. family friends or neighbors. I think they're neighbors or something mm-hmm. when they grow up um, because he is at the wedding. Um, and Yeah, and they have this very like bantery sort of dynamic where they're just like very comfortable very friendly but they don't seem very much like boyfriend and girlfriend they like kiss on the cheek and like yeah yeah it's not very romantic no and the thing is like watching that i kind of get how your relationship would be like that if you go from being friends for so long and then I think even if you start having feelings for each other, if, even if you don't, you've been friends for so long, that kind of, like, there's this, there's a moment, like, before he leaves, after the, um, the store has uh, exploded, mm. um, when yeah. he goes to the pub. And he does the thing with the arm. Yeah, no, but no, he he's like, oh, give me a kiss. Yeah. And then they kiss and then they kind of giggle, like, that's, even if they've yeah. done it a million times, it it still feels like it's something weird. because it's like there's, a joke. Yeah, it's a little bit, because they're like, even if they've been together for a while, who, or who knows, it just feels... Yeah, it's like... They're, it's different. They're it's like, dating as a joke. 
They're like, what if, <laughs> what if we dated? But I don't. <laughs> but I don't Mick, think Mickey so. probably thinks it's real. But Rose is like, oh, that was a joke the whole time. No, I don't think so. I think they. No. I think they do oh. really love and care about each other. And I think she thinks that she's in love with him. And I think, I think she loves him, but she's not in love with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's not that I think she's just like because you've seen each other as one thing for so long like it's mm-hmm. if we would like even if you and I had feelings we don't just to clarify <laughs> even if you and I had feelings for each other and like then we got together and like it would be kind of ooh, like yeah, weird I, and like and like it's so weird to see you like this even if I do like you like yeah, to kiss you or like to s- I think our dynamic wouldn't change yeah right? like we would or Maybe, but we would still be, like, friendly. We would still act like the friends we are. Yeah. Yeah, which is maybe what happened with Mickey and Rose. Yeah. But you know what? What did make me, like... Hmm. I don't know. Mickey, like, they make him so... He's so, like... He's so weird. Like, he's... when When she comes to his apartment, he says... I don't know, he says something like, hello, blah, blah, blah. And then she comes in and he says, kit off, which I think is like, I didn't Google this. I think it's just, take your clothes off. And then oh, he and s- he slaps her ass. And then he slaps her ass. I know. And then she says, can I use your computer? And he says, any excuse to get in the bedroom. And it's just like, what? Why is why is he so sexually charged? Like, it's what is going really on? It's really strange. <laughs> and she's also just like, not even no. recognizing that he's doing this. She's like completely ignoring him. I just, yeah, like those, because I didn't get to see the whole episode this time, because I'm terrible. But um, I I got so far with those were the scenes mostly where I saw, like Mickey before he gets eaten by the garbage bin, uh, <laughs> how he's so cute with her, that they're so cute together in that montage. But then following, he's kind of... He's kind of like a dude. He's so dude He's so dude bro. Like yeah. he's bro. And he wants he's to like, I have, yeah, he, I want to go to the pub and I want to watch a game and I want yeah, to like... he wants to come along with her to this strange man's house and like keep watch outside of the house. Yeah. Which is kind of like reasonable, but he does it in a very like macho way. Yeah. Like I'm going to yeah. I'm going to be here in my tough car and keep watch yeah and i think that's also like there's this attitude about it which is why like these comments like it i mean obviously if your boyfriend and girlfriend it's not weird to say to like talk about wanting to have sex with them but just like not picking up when rose is like obviously not in the mood to do like flirty sex talk and for him Mm. to just like (laughs) i don't know it just feels so like dominant when he's not a dominant person at all yeah, but I also think, I don't think that's, I mean, when we talk about, like, power imbalances, yeah, um, that does also rely on the other person sort of feeling like they're in, um, like they're in harm's way or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, Rose is so obviously very comfortable in this position. It's not like she reacts badly to this or becomes uncomfortable at his advances she's just kind of like okay whatever it it feels just like a very um i don't know it it just i don't think it feels like he's um 
abusing her or whatever. No, I don't... Which is not what you meant. No. But, like... Yeah. I don't know. I think I just think it feels like... Um, like a way of belittling Mickey. Just... Yeah. Because it, it, it doesn't feel like they give him the a fair chance to, like, really honestly show that he's a good, nice boyfriend who loves mm. his girlfriend. Um, because, you know, obviously at the end, he's he's freaked out and he's you know he's meant to be the wimp whereas the doctor is like coming in and he's strong and muscular and yeah. not muscular but he's like masculine and he can both he and, and rose save the day or rose saves the day but mickey's the one who cowers in a corner and cries and yeah i absolutely hate that scene yeah he like he's clinging to her leg and the doctor's like he's not, not invited yeah which again and again any opinion that the doctor has on any other character is going to rub off on the audience. Yeah. Because we're taught to look up to this character and to feel what he feels and to value his opinion. And so if he says that Mickey is lame and uh, not welcome in the TARDIS, that's going to make the audience not like him. But isn't it also because Mickey does like makes a comment about how he's an alien or something? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's also why. Yeah, like, but but then again, like he continuously, even when Mickey does a good job of helping out, he's still like. Yeah, the thing about the Doctor is he's very touchy, especially mine in this. Do you mean uh, touchy in... like he likes to touch people, or touchy as in like he's sensitive? Yeah, sensitive. Yeah, is that not the right word? Yeah, no, it is. I was just like, do you mean he's touching people? Because I don't agree. <laughs> No, that also has nothing to do with what we're talking about. No. <laughs> the thing with Nine is, like, he likes to grab he likes ass. To touch. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but he's quite sensitive and very proud. And he has a lot of moments in this episode where those traits really come out. And he gets very defensive. And, like, when Rose is, when Rose is inquiring whether Mickey is dead or not, and she's a little pissed off at him for not being worried, right? Yeah. He gets super defensive. He gets angry at her, probably because, you know, he's in this situation all the time where he does everything he can to help people. And that makes them put so such high expectations on him that really he has no... Um, he doesn't, like, he's not required to do any of this. He chooses to do this. And people ex- come to expect it from him. And then get angry when he doesn't do absolutely everything that they expect. Yeah, especially the whole thing with, like, in in a moment of chaos or in a time of chaos... He doesn't stop and mourn. He does that afterwards when he yeah. has the time. They don't understand like he does because he's so used to it that you don't have the time to be sad right now. Mm. We have to do the rest and just kind of soldier on. But but I also think like the way you describe him is really good and I, I like sensitive but also defensive is such. It really makes sense for nine as a doctor because yeah. nine comes like he's just recently you know killed his entire planet um which is not even mentioned in this episode which i think is quite cool that they mentioned it for the first time in episode two um so that must 
must have come as quite a shock, like coming in and having watched Doctor Who before, like, oh, okay, Gallifrey's gone. Um, but having done that, obviously he's sensitive and emotional, but he kind of pulls, pushes that down and then he's defensive because if someone thinks something bad of him, like that will, he's done something bad, but he doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Which is, I love, I love Naomi because he has, he has an arc. Yeah. Which I think a lot of, or of <clears throat> certain doctors don't have. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, okay, but regarding the time war, yeah, they do reference it in this episode. Oh, okay. And I don't know if you remember that, but at the very end, when there he's being held by the mannequins and he's screaming down at this big plastic soup, <laughs> you yeah. know, the big lava face. Um, which is like screaming at him and he's responding so he understands. And he's just screaming about the time war and saying, no, I couldn't save them. I tried to save your people, but I couldn't. Oh, and he's so, he's such a good actor. He's so good in that scene. His voice is like completely wrecked. Oh, Christopher. 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 And that's the only like hint we get that something has happened during this hiatus that the show has been on. Yeah, and they mentioned the time war, which but they don't mention Gallifrey being gone, right? No. Exactly, cuz that's yeah. Time war is such an interesting weird concept. Yeah. Like the time lords being the and the Daleks being the instigators of this and so many other races, even if they're villains in the Who lore being victims of this conflict. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but regarding it, like, being him, he's recently, like, he's new in this body. Mm-hmm. It's It's weird because, like, it's it's hard to place because when she's at Clive's, when Rose is visiting Clive, which, like, that character has to come back. I really want to see Clive again. He died. He dies! No. <laughs> yeah, he died. No! He dies. He's, he's shot in the head by a mannequin. Oh, my God! I know. I was also so shocked because I didn't remember that from last time. I was just thinking because I didn't get to that part. Like, if I wrote Doctor Who, I'd bring back Clive for, like, a little cameo. And it would be like, oh, Clive from episode one. Yeah, it would be great. Damn it. I know. (laughs) Russell! But we're never actually shown, like, his body. We're just shown as the mannequin, like, points the Rory gun. Yes. At him. <laughs> and then shoots. And then we just see his wife and son screaming. Oh, no, Clive. So you could do a little But I mean, twist how did he, he get a bullet in the head and survive? Sorry, Clive. R.I.P. Clive. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when she's at Clive's, uh, he shows her these photos of the doctor, yeah. uh, there's this amazing like little sequence where it's first like this horribly photoshopped picture of Christopher Eccleston yeah. in a crowd and then it like zooms out and then it's like JFK assassination and then there's like a gun sound effect. Yes. And then it's first JFK, then Jackie Kennedy, and then boom, a final gunshot at the doctor. Which makes it seem like he, he killed him. <laughs> I was just gonna say. It's kind of like Yeah. Oh. But, I, but honestly, I think like I think Clive thinks that because he later oh. says that death follows the doctors. I think he thinks that 
the doctor would kill JFK. Probably, because he's like a conspiracy theory guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. But so, yeah, obviously like, he's traveled a lot. But then when Nine gets to Rose's apartment, he looks in the mirror and says, could have been worse. Like he reacts to his face. Yeah, which makes it seem like these photographs, they would have had to have happened <gasps> as a, in his timeline Later. After he met Rose. Oh. So after this episode. Because, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because, In- oh, I know there's a theory about that because he yeah. leaves. Oh, we, ugh, I hate it. <laughs> but he leaves and then he comes back. Yeah. But I think it's very obvious that he leaves and then comes back immediately yeah. to tell Rose. It's not like he goes on adventure so that he's like, oh, I miss her. It's the final scene where he comes back and is like, did I mention it also travels in time? Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, but uh, but I think it's I think it's because I was thinking that it's more that you know these photos and and paintings like he hasn't seen them himself. No, and obviously he and the doctor that's there in two thousand five. Yeah, has not been in that picture yet. No, I, I that's think in he, his future. I think he has because I I think he has done these travels because it's like it's not like he just just regenerate it because this episode which i like about this episode like usually a doctor who episode starts with nothing they're going on an adventure or something and then oh monster happens but like because we're coming from rose's perspective rose is actually bounding in on an adventure that's almost finished Mm, um kind of like um (laughs) series nine reference in series nine in um the girl who died uh, it starts with like an adventure that we don't get to see where Clara's in this spacesuit out in space. Drink, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, she has this like spider crawling inside her vest and then uh, stuff like that. And how this is an episode where like this, like chronologically, like in a classic Doctor Who episode, like if this wasn't the first episode for Rose we would know like the beginning of how mm. the autons came and what was happened and you know but we don't so uh i don't and i don't think like he just regenerated and then started the thing with the autons i think i think like oh, he didn't see the photo because like why would he it's the camera footage from mm. when jfk got killed yeah but the and then thing the is... painting like maybe he didn't look <laughs> i don't know well regardless if he saw those pictures and paintings yeah it's more like oh but if he's been traveling for all this time and mm. he's just what not looked in a mirror i don't know i don't know i i i, I, I think we, i could imagine him just not thinking about it and not wanting to look in the mirror maybe or not i don't know i get the impression that he's pretty fresh just from that line of dialogue where he's really like checking himself out well not in that way but <laughs> although he should uh, but <laughs> he's, he's hot. really like he's like inspecting himself. It's not like he just catches a glimpse. He's like, okay, let's have a look at this new face. Yeah. Well, anyway. But 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 then, do you think that because you also don't like the theory that he did all those travels in between leaving Rose and then coming back for Rose? At the well, end I think episode. it's a fine theory. It's just that it has absolutely no proof. No, or no, any see, implication. See, that's the thing in canon, so it doesn't matter if that's, it happened or not. I've I've accidentally like entered arguments about this because I like it's a theory. It checks out, but it's like yeah, but <laughs> it's not what Russell meant. 
Like, you can obviously, like... It's like you can make theories about everything and just make up ideas that, like, this yeah, is like, what happened. Yeah, like, I think after Rose declined him mm-hmm. or rejected him, he went and shot JFK. That's my theory. Yeah, you can just, like, yeah, or, <laughs> like, you know, or... Yeah, and you can make up anything like that, and then... but. And that fits, but that doesn't mean that that's actually what happened. But people were like, that's what happened. Like I saw, like I've seen people who were like, oh, the reason why Nine is Northern and wears a leather jacket is because the war doctor met Clara and had a specific interaction with her, even though she wasn't wearing a leather jacket. Um, Because she's Northern and wears a leather jacket. He generates into something like her. Didn't she wear her leather jacket though? No, she has her a biker jacket. No, uh, it's not. It's a waxed. It's a waxed jacket. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I know everything about Clara. <laughs> like every every outfit that she. It's wears. a barbour jacket. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my ignorance. Yeah, you're so stupid. Well, yeah, because they had they had no idea that Clara was gonna be, was gonna exist. Because Moffat wrote Clara. Like, it's not like Russell was thinking about this at that point in time. Because he didn't come up with Clara. And that's why I don't like these, like... I think that's why I don't like this, like, in theory things. Because they're so, like, in-universe. Whereas it's very, like, this story exists. Like, they know it's not real life, but it's also, like... Yeah. Whereas I'm always aware of the writer. I want to be aware of who's writing this how does that impact this and with that in mind like it doesn't make sense and i don't like pretending like it does because this was written in 2005 yeah and that's not what russell intended but like it annoys me because that's not how i see doctor who Mm -hmm. like that's not how i look at it yeah um so yeah that's but nice. re- regarding those photos, it's funny. I think I mentioned that to you the first time we watched it, that they used the exact same photo of Christopher Eccleston for every <laughs> single one. Did they really? Yeah, because he's always the... standing like in a certain angle. No, because I think the one that's like the Daniels family, mm. I think I specifically thought that, oh, that's he doesn't really look like himself there. That's a, like a different angle. Okay, maybe. I think maybe, yeah, maybe he's wearing period garb in that one also. Yeah, and he looks like a little younger. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about the Daniels family. Not that there's really a lot to talk about. But I do like the idea that he, like, befriended this family and probably spent some time with them and then ended up saving them from drowning in the Titanic. But that, yeah. It's really, yeah, it's nice. I also think that's interesting, like, as a parallel to... um, Fires of Pompeii, where he saves Caecilius' family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He can save someone. Yeah. But Nine made that decision on his own. He can't... Just naturally. He can't stop it from happening. It's not like he can just tell everyone, don't let this ship sail. It's going to sink. But he can save this one family. So what do you think he did with JFK? Like... Obviously, he didn't kill JFK, even though the episode kind of angles it like he does. Um, I don't think he did, but I also don't think he would, like, he wouldn't go there to save JFK either. No, I don't know. But I also, like, I have a hard time imagining him just like, yeah, I want to go and see JFK get shot in the head. 
like I want to yeah. be there when that happens. Like again, I think there's certain parts of Doctor Who that are not entirely thought through. No, they're just they're more fun. like okay, what's an important historical event yeah. that people will instantly recognize in a photograph, and we're just gonna put him there. Yeah, uh, and and it also has to be far away enough that it couldn't have been the same person seeing this that he couldn't have been there. Yeah, right. And but they don't think about like oh but where would the doctor be interested in going like that's not anything that they considered and I mean maybe he would although it's a little morbid to be like yeah I want to watch this guy get shot in the head I can kind of imagine him doing it actually maybe yeah going to see it maybe maybe he wants to see who did it he just wants to know yeah if he can like spy them in the crowd or maybe the TARDIS. Sent him there by accident. Yeah, maybe. Like, well, maybe, when, like when he goes to Pompeii. Maybe he was just there. Maybe he just enjoyed, like, being there. He's like, I love Dallas in 1968. Yeah, and then he was like, oh my sorry. god, there's a huge crowd here. I'm yeah. going to go <laughs> check it out. Oh, what's happening? Oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is this year. You know what I think could, it could be a nod to is that happened on the uh, 11, 23rd of November, 1963. Okay. Which was the same date as the first episode of Doctor Who aired. Really? Yeah. So that's they aired the episode and then they had to re-air An Earthly Child later because no one was watching because yeah. Kennedy was dead. Oh my God. <laughs> no one was I, watching the news. I have no idea. Uh, but honestly, yeah, like we were saying, like Doctor Who is just shock full of just small little notes and anecdotes and stuff like like even in this episode, he does a little comment about how like the Genghis Khan army like tried to get into the TARDIS. Yeah. He loves like they love doing little nuggets about mm-hmm. yeah random historical events. Yeah, and like I think reference. like I think it's like Stevie Nicks gives ten his coat or something like that, yeah. and. Clara plays card game drink, uh, card games with Jane Austen and and twelve drink, um, <laughs> and twelve uh, and twelve um, plays guitar. He's in a band with Beethoven or something like that. Yeah. It's just like it's, it's full of that, and it doesn't really mean anything. It's just fun little things because uh, fun little comment because they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's a weird moment when she goes into Clive's, um, when her, when Clive's wife. I also had this note. Yeah, when, when she reacts and she's like, she's a she. Yeah, she gets really excited that it's a woman who has contacted Clive, which <laughs> I don't know. Is it like only men are interested in the doctor? Yeah, that's so weird. It's such a weird little moment because it's like she's surprised. Like it's only been men who've contacted him. And I get like, okay, the, I guess that could make sense that so far only men have encountered the doctor. Yeah, but th- that doesn't mean that it's like an entirely masculine thing. But maybe she views it as like, oh, it's just his little like boys club thing. He goes into his man cave with the lads. Maybe. And just, and just um, talks about conspiracy theories. But the thing is, I don't know. and that's it's really weird. That's also another little thing for me, uh, for my theory that he did all these like travels before the episode, mm-hmm. is the fact that there's multiple other people who have gone to see Clive who had encounters with the Doctor. Yeah, recently. Specifically nine, because that's the photos yeah. that he has, and it can't yeah. be like 
Or maybe it can be. Oh, maybe that would be. But at the same time, you again, never know because he literally he could travel back to the day before the episode, and it would still be him from the future. Yeah, like it's just. It's, but also, when do you think he would do these travels? Yeah, exactly. Like when did he not was, travel with Rose? Was They're Rose all... there and befriended? Like, wouldn't that have been really funny if she went to Clive's and saw this picture of the Daniels family yeah. and she was in it? She's like. Who's that? <laughs> Clara. That happens to Clara kind of a little bit. Oh, yeah. When, when, with well, the, with the... Yeah, when she's like, hold on. I I never, I was in 1980s, no, 1890s Yorkshire, not yeah, London. Not in London. Yeah. Um, but, and the thing is like, Rose is different from, like that could happen with like 11 or 12. Um, because Clara, or specifically when they're traveling with Clara, because Clara doesn't live on the TARDIS. She's only travels with Eleven at least on Wednesdays. Yeah. And season eight, it's not that often that they're together. Mm-hmm. Season nine, I think it's pretty clear that she's there a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, Rose lives on the TARDIS. Like, yeah, she has a room. She moves in. She gets her bags, and they're together for four years. Kind mm-hmm. of not for them, but for everyone else on Earth. Yeah. Oh, oh, regarding gosh. that, that's the, that's later. That's later in the season. But still, like how much of an age difference that will that becomes for Mickey and Rose. Like if he's already like six years older, and then she comes back, and he's aged another year. No, four years. No, she's no. Yeah, no, she's been gone a year. It's just one year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but also it's not one year for her. She's for yeah. her. She's been gone for like a day or two. Yeah. And Oops. for everyone, which I was thinking about because <laughs> this is also like really messed up because Rose, while panic is breaking out and the mannequins are breaking out, um, Rose tries to call her mum mm. um, and warn her and try to get her to go home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jackie's like, no, just going for some quick evening shopping. I'll be home. Oh, sorry, this is really offensive. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jackie. I just, no, I cannot resist mimicking Jackie. That's beautiful. Continue it, please. <laughs> but anyway, then later when uh, when they've saved the day, um, Rose calls Jackie again, or maybe Jackie calls her, and Jackie is like warning her not to go out. Um, because of what just happened. And Rose just hangs up. <laughs> she's like, fuck you. Jackie's terrified and she's like, Rose, stay in, don't go out. It's crazy out here. And like, Rose just laughs and hangs up. What? <laughs> what is the context of that? <laughs> it's the, it's like to watch the doing? end of the episode. No, because she, she knows that she's saved the day. Oh no. And that everything <laughs> is fine. So she's like, okay, la la la, my mum is fine. And she's really worried. Haha, <laughs> that's hilarious. No. But like, Rose, your mother thinks that you're in like mortal peril. And she just hangs up. And then she disappears for a year. A year. Oh. So, like, obviously, maybe Mickey told Jackie that, like, no, she's alive, but she went away with this guy. But, like, if he didn't, Jackie would have thought that she was shot in the head by a mannequin (laughs) (laughs) for a year. (laughs) Oh, let's talk about...
about Jackie because I have some yes. I have some notes about her. Oh, we skipped her the bedroom scene. It's iconic and beyond reproach, and it doesn't need another comment than that. No, I want to talk about it. Okay, go it's in. so funny that like how she immediately is like sees nine and she's like he's really sexy. Yes, I love her for that. Yes, but she's like, oh, who is this guy? And that she also because it Rose makes it very clear that like she's gonna talk to this man and they're gonna talk together. You know? Yeah, because she says it's someone from, like, her job. Yeah. Who's going to talk about the incident. Yeah, exactly. And that they're going to sit down and talk about it. And yet, Jackie thinks that, like, she can get away with just a quick fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Stop! (laughs) While Rose Rose is making tea. Also, like... Like, Would Rose not notice that, like, this this guy that I brought into my apartment has just mysteriously disappeared into my mother's room... But honestly, I think that's quite common in the Tyler home. It's oh just like, yeah, it's being like, true. oh, another guy's here. Mm, I'm going to go out for a walk or something. Until, Maybe so. Until, which is so, dis- I can't even say it, until mom's done. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> um, but she just is like really, yeah. Um, when before that scene when when rose comes home and she's like phoning all these people about what happened or they're calling her and she's she does this like really weird really weird comment where she says like rose has been so shocked that uh her you should see her her skin is like an old bible you'd think she's my mother like what yeah jackie what are you talking about she's like it's really aged her it's so strange because this also literally happened like the night before it's been a couple of hours so it's not like a week later i can tell the difference and also like yeah and also she doesn't even look shocked yeah anything she's not even worried she's just like sitting there bored almost and she's like such an attack and it's not even like (laughs) it's eight Oh, she like she, she looks ill, or it's not like she, her. She, this she's has not changed. Herself. Yeah, or this has changed who she is because now she's experienced something traumatic. It's she looks old. Her skin is wrinkled. Like what? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it's a great introduction to Jackie. All all her absolutely insane lines that she has. That's, I feel like Jackie. I really like her, but at the same time, there's not a lot of kindness shown towards her in the writing. Like, it's very, it's very hard. It's, uh, I don't know. It's like, everything is an attack. Like, and that's why I don't really trust the thing with her thinking nine is hot. Because it kind of feels like, oh, she's an old, older woman. Ha ha, it's funny. She thinks this man is hot, kind of. I don't know. I, I just... I don't trust mm. Doctor Who to actually be kind about how attractive the ma- the actors are unless yeah, it's David Tennant. We yes, we discussed this that um it's a little weird the way the writers make a point of um of constantly bringing up like physical attributes of the actors like uh Christopher Eccleston's ears, uh Arthur Darville's nose. But let's be honest, it's just Moffat who does this. No, but in Russell does with uh, Christopher. Does he say his ears? Yeah, right? Oh. Or, I mean, he doesn't say it, but he makes the character say, like, oh, look at my ears. Like, 
it's just really because that's the sort of thing that it's completely possible to say um but it's like i'm just wondering how it feels as an actor to like be pretty normal looking but maybe have an insecurity or two and then you get this character written for you where like constantly people are talking about your huge ugly nose (laughs) (laughs) i just think it's kind of it's like the it's like the writing version of those like really cheap characters that you can get at like a touristy spot somewhere you know where you can get your caricature drawn yes and you look like a normal person but then like one single feature of your face gets so extremely like exaggerated Mm -hmm. so let's do a list like obviously christopher eccleston it's his ears yeah um david tennant is skinny yeah and he has great hair great hair (laughs) doesn't Matt obviously chin. Yeah, his chin. Rory is the. They actually say this even the nose, the legs, the chin. Yeah. Twelve is old. Yeah. Clara is short. Yeah. (laughs) She's short and ugly. (laughs) She's Strax. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It just bothers me how they will not stop hammering how like weird certain actors look. Yeah. Well, I don't know. And how incredibly sexy Amy is and Ten. Like, yeah, it just becomes clear that, like... And it's always the, the actors that aren't that sexy that, that are, like... Yeah, they or, should or be... The they actual should, sexy actors are, like, they're so ugly. Which is They like, should which be is, talking about how sexy Twelve is. I Everyone should be, like, all the time they should be, like, who is that beast? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! say that ew but yeah no <laughs> but I, he is, I don't mean that but he is like fine wine he's really yes. hot and people act like he's oh and it's his eyebrows as well he's old yeah. in his eyebrows his eyebrows yeah, but, but it's they always... are to be honest they're out there like they're they there we see them yeah. in comparison to like Matt's chin like it's a normal chin yeah and Arthur Darville has such a normal nose. Like, it's come on, come on, guys. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about Jackie. Yeah. I was also going to say that she later, um, when Rose doesn't want to do the phone interview for mm-hmm. 500 quid, she says something about, well, you don't have a job now. You have to get money because I'm not bailing you out. And I just love the idea that Jackie thinks because Rose was her her job exploded, Rose is gonna go to jail. <laughs> She's like, and obviously they have. I think they have like, which is weird because Jackie loves shopping and she goes shopping quite a lot. I think yeah. at least two scenes of that in her time when she's on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's obvious that they're working class. I mean. Jackie had to raise this kid on her own. Yeah. Which is never really brought up. It's yeah. just like he died and we get to see that, but we never really get kind of appreciation for Jackie for losing her husband when she has a newborn baby and then raising that kid all on her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it is in the subtext. I mean, I can really appreciate how the relationship between Jackie and Rose is portrayed. 
and because obviously it's quite a problematic relationship at times and Jackie isn't always very loving and she's quite harsh at times which like Rose is 19 and her job blew up and now she's like you're unemployed <laughs> and the thing is yeah I didn't know this about I didn't pick this up about Rose but she she like she quit school she's which really? is why she's working yeah because she says no a levels yeah she's yeah she says that uh to mickey um when or plastic mickey mm-hmm. at their weird little dinner thing which is also like looks like a fancy place how can yeah. she afford that yeah I they're at like a fancy restaurant in the middle um, of the day I don't know. yeah <laughs> she's it's like i'm strange. treating myself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after that traumatic traumatic um, meeting in, with Clive um, she yeah she says maybe I can do she's talking about like getting a job at the canteen at a hospital uh, or maybe I can do my A-levels uh, and then she says something about like I quit school because of some and then she says some guy's oh, name some guy, that's right. and then now look where I ended up yeah look I remember how, that. that how good much good that did me or something like that I wonder who that was it was like a teacher, if it was like a Ooh. boyfriend. Oh, that's a whole other aspect. I think it's a boyfriend. I think yeah. it's just like a guy in her class. Yeah, maybe so. But Rose is just like in this season, never again, but just in this season, she's surrounded by like these like floating names of yeah. people. Like she mentions Suki, the one is the one who is her friend, I guess, who says something about the canteen job. Mm-hmm. And she has friends at work. Those aren't, they're not names, but they're like people that she kind of has fun yeah. with. Yeah, Winston. No, Wilson. Wilson. By the way, I counted. She says Wilson 10 times. Really? Yeah. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson's not her friend though. He's like chief yeah, operating. Yeah. Um, he's a colleague. But um, yeah, what about Rose and Jackie's relationship? Even though it's like obviously lacking I think Rose really loves her mother. And I mean, it, yeah, it's clear that they have quite a close relationship. Yeah. And, and yeah, that she feels like a responsibility for her mother, probably. And that they've like helped each other get along during her childhood or her upbringing. I think something about Jackie that really defines her is how she's so shaped by this like internalized um misogyny yeah where she's so weird towards rose like she's yeah but just like the one line about how she now she looks like she's my mother it's that kind of like age-old stereotype but that also kind of rings true where older women or middle-aged women are so jealous of women who are young like Mm -hmm. If their husband like cheats on them with a younger woman, the offense isn't that he cheated. It's I mean that's part of it, but it's so much worse mm-hmm. because she's young. Because we're so yeah, and the attacked. blame is put on her. Yeah, yeah, and we're so attacked by that feeling of inferiority because men won't appreciate us if we're not young and beautiful. Yeah, and that's again that's brought up later in in Father's Day when she 
he's which is so disgusting and i wish it wasn't in there Ugh. because they don't really like get into this because it's kind of jackie's kind of the same as as mickey i feel where like there's something there and they are an interesting character but the show is has no interest in really like giving that person the time without making fun of them mm-hmm. because they always make fun of jackie and jackie's kind of like a joke like yeah, she's, she's kind of a comic relief character at times which i think is fine and you, but you don't do that too you don't want to just be laughing at this character and how pathetic and awful they are yeah yeah just yeah just like the fact because like it's without comment like they never really get into like why jackie is like this so then the whole idea of jackie being jealous of her own daughter because she thinks her husband is in love with her daughter is yeah it's not she doesn't very nice. she doesn't yeah she doesn't realize that it's her daughter but still i i think it's it's just so weird and she, uh, i don't know it's just and the way she's with pete as well in that episode i think it's it's the same thing there where she's yeah. like she's unnecessarily awful to him and <laughs> unnecessarily villainized like we already know that Jackie's not the most like gracious angelic person. Yeah. We don't need her to be like uh completely horrible to her husband. Like we know this about her already and now you're just kind of dinging it in a bit too hard. Yeah, and I think yeah. I don't know. I, I, I I I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um yeah, Jackie. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I always like it when um we have a character who's a mother and who has issues of her own yeah. and that like affects the motherhood and the relationship with the child because it's really boring when a female character her only trait is that she's a mom. And she's just Clara's a, mom. Yeah, and she's just so <laughs> like maternal and loving and perfect. It's a lot more interesting when like she has a lot going on, and that affects this relationship. Yeah, in a sense, I wish we got more of Jackie and Rose because it's also an interesting dynamic, just gender-wise. How being the same gender makes them closer than she would maybe feel with a dad or if Rose was a boy. But um, also that kind of, yeah, carrying that with them, like this this jealousy of age. Rose is always going to be younger. And mm-hmm. for that reason, she's always going to make Jackie insecure. Mm. How, like, I just, I don't know, I've read a lot about that. Like, um, just poetry and stuff and everything else uh, about, like, women who have complicated relationships with their mother because as women we're damaged by yeah internalized misogyny and like the society that we're raised up in so yeah but uh, regarding pete i also think that's something like jackie as a character she loves him but she doesn't really realize what she has until he's gone Mm -hmm. because she speaks so lovingly about pete afterwards and then when she meets alternate reality pete it's very but even then maybe i don't remember actually we'll get to it when we get there but i i think 
that it's quite emotional for her and she's yeah. not rude to him or anything. Yeah, that's how I remember it. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe she's rude to him, but I think she there's a lot of like tenderness there as well. Yeah. So we've we've really talked at length about Jackie and Mickey. I'm happy about that. <laughs> we haven't talked a lot about Rose and the Doctor. No, and well, I, we have a little bit, but like as characters, because this is really the episode where we get to know them as characters and we get to yeah. see them for the first time. I have a note about nine, um, which I think can be a good segue. Um, I was just thinking because I got to the part where um, the scene where Rose gets to go into the TARDIS for the first time, and there's this very like classic dialogue. Um, where she asks, you know, she notices, she's heard what Clive said and she didn't believe him that the Doctor is an alien. Mm -hmm. But she sees the TARDIS and recognizes that it's alien um, and kind of then asks, are you, and he just, I don't know, she asks, are you an alien? And first of all, he says like, yes, this is an alien machine. And then she says, are you an alien? And then he kind of like, the way he says it is kind of, he says it and he's not ashamed about it, but he's kind of careful at mm -hmm. the same time. Because I feel like maybe with human beings, at least in New Who, that's something that's a little bit fragile for him being judged because he's an alien. Mm -hmm. So he kind of says it a little bit more sensitively. And then he does that question yeah. of, are you okay with that? Which is like both being in not insecure but being like i don't know careful about it or maybe just i don't know but at the same time also kind of testing her compassion like yeah. and how understanding she is which is where mickey fails yeah yeah he's testing the waters and the thing you said about um him being afraid to be judged that he's an alien i think i mean now that he, his own people doesn't exist anymore. He's the only one left. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And he's an alien to everyone. Like before, in classic Who, he could still go home and he wouldn't be an alien to the rest of his people, to the other Time Lords. Yeah. But now, yeah, he's going to be an alien to the entire world, to the entire universe. Everyone is going to have this reaction to him that he's different. And so I think it's reasonable that he is very tentative. But yeah, as we were talking about earlier, he is very guarded and... Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just on his watch, kind of. Yeah, and, and, and um, I think also like now that his planet and his home is gone, the mm -hmm. Earth, because he's been on Earth so many times, Yeah. the Earth is kind of like a second or his new home kind of but not really yeah so he's testing that exactly can this be my new home yeah will they will they accept me here yeah mm. um i think in case someone is listening and being like really annoyed I'm, i am gonna say it um there's obviously the part in classic who where it's or i think it's in the uh paul mcgann movie where it's where he says that he's half human or something like that oh. and then they've kind of winked about that but obviously we're we're because ignoring we, that we're ignoring that <laughs> and stuff like that we don't really like 
Yeah, Doctor Who lore is all over the place, and it's just like it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add. But you know what? What's weird about um, just the Doctor in general is like they didn't really decide upon him being an. Or I think I've. I mean, they don't say he's an alien quite a long while into season one with William Hartnell. Oh yeah, he's. But it's. I think it's quite clear from first episode that. Barbara mm-hmm. and Ian think that Susan is weird and mm-hmm. from unearthly. Some, yeah, exactly, and f- exactly unearthly. Hello, the title, yeah. but also like she's from somewhere else. But because uh, I read, <laughs> we were not t- going to talk about trivia, but I read the trivia for the um, uh, Peter Cushing movie Doctor Who and the Daleks, not the Daleks, the Daleks. Um, <laughs> and uh, in that movie, the Doctor is just a human scientist. Because, oh. because at that time, the Doctor wasn't, like, officially... Like, Gallifrey... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was more like a magician. A little bit, yeah. A scientist. Yeah. Of, uh, an inventor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, William Hartnell never says the word Gallifrey because it wasn't... Oh, really? Invented. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, so that's why in in the 50th anniversary special... Moffat had to like edit in someone pretending to be Hartnell saying Gallifrey because oh. William Hartnell never said it. Really? Just yeah. to be clear, like we haven't seen a lot of classic Who. No, like, I've seen three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen more episodes, but it was a really long time ago. Yeah. So I don't remember a lot of it. But yeah, so we're not like experts by any means. Yeah, I think we. We want to stray as far as we can from being anything at all, like the Doctor Who wiki. Like, just reading one article on there, your head aches because it's so... Everything is so contradictory and it's hard to... And I think that kind of happens with the show that, um, first of all, there's all these books and comics and TV shows and everything else. Yeah. And the movie and another movie that's kind of not in the canon, but also a little bit and just, yeah. Mm. And the, like, and then, radio... Yeah, big finish audiobooks. Yeah. And then also having different showrunners coming in, like with um he who must not be named, Chris Chibnall, who's now <laughs> who's now come in and kind of changed everything about the doctor. Yeah. And that also completely contradicts what's been said before and you know, it's just like it's so hard to just understand what's going on, like fundamentally the fundamentals of this character, who mm-hmm. is he that kind of if you yeah. take too much into account, it's impossible to stick with one story. Mm-hmm. We completely went off the rails now. I was going to say <laughs> another thing about Christopher Eccleston. And because you were talking about the scene he has with Rose in the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, uh, because later when the very final scene where he's asking her to travel with him. Mm. He also has such a like... I don't know how to describe it, but he's his expression is so like vulnerable and very he looks really uh nervous to ask this and you know trying not to look nervous. Yeah. And it's a great performance and I love him. I think yeah, it's but yeah, he's very he's very proud as we said. He's afraid that she's going to say no and he wants to pretend that he doesn't care. Yeah. If she comes with him or not. But he really, really wants her to. Some, yeah, I just... 
it's amazing to think like how little Christopher Eccleston knew and how little he had to work on mm-hmm. and how much he brought to this role with only one season. Yeah. What do you think about Rose as a character? Because I've been thinking about this like before we sat down and started talking and before I rewatched uh, just like so many of the companions I think are so easy to pin down and understand mm-hmm. and have like very distinct personalities like yeah. i'm thinking like obviously clara is like a really strong character mm-hmm. she's she's so fleshed out yeah. um but then it's really like by donna's time that it's like donna's a very distinct character mm-hmm. amy's a very distinct character um i think rory maybe is maybe not as strong like but he's still very distinct. I know, but it's not like it's not like he's I not as very, fleshed out. It's not like, like I can pick. No, but I mean, like, just like I can't like exactly point out his very distinct, like specific for him, character traits. I think really, but I think then, he's almost stronger than a lot of the others because the other companions, the bigger companions, have to be a little more fluid to be, you know relatable and uh fit into all these types of situations but rory as kind of a sidekick companion can be a little more almost archetype like Mm. i think he's very distinct like almost to the point where he's more uh characterized than like um developed does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like what I I think what I mean by it, and how I how I classify it is just like if I can understand what these characters probably are thinking, and if I can like clearly say like, oh, if I don't know if we went to Disney World, I know exactly what Donna would say and do, and I don't mm-hmm. know what Rory would kind of do exactly. Like oh. he could kind of do lots of things. I think. I don't know. I do, I don't know. It's hard to explain. And he that's would just I... he would just want to take pictures together with Amy. He wouldn't want to do anything else. He yeah, would... <laughs> but but the thing thing is like when you say that I'm like yeah, but if it's not like something where I'm like yes, you're so right. That really is him. Like, but I have no idea what Donna would do at Disney World. Bad example, maybe. But I or just... Amy or but maybe you know, Amy, but not Martha. But you know, like without oh. saying, and I think that has a lot to do with performance. And that's not saying that Arthur wasn't really good, and that Billy obviously is really good. It's not that. It's just that, for example, Amy's quite. She's like Swiss cheese. Her character, like it's so so many holes and she's so like hard to pinpoint but at the same time you and I know exactly I feel like I know exactly how Amy works Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas when I how am I going to describe I don't know I really like Rose in this season and it's not that and I think maybe I'm tainted by later seasons but Rose sort of becomes this just like this figure of romance like a Disney princess yeah and especially because that's how fandom treats her and that's why I feel like I can't really put my finger on, like, how do I describe Rose except for that she's nice and kind and funny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like, Rose becomes kind of diffused and, like, in fandom, that is. Yeah. And people just view her as, like, the ultimate companion. Uh 
and don't and not as like her own character one of many other characters but yeah she is i think it's very much up to billy's performance yeah because the character is kind of written as just like this pretty normal girl uh and like she's compassionate she's um yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, I'm you know, you know sure. what I think like really makes it easy for me to pinpoint a character is their flaws. Mm. Yeah, like Clara is obviously her control behavior mm-hmm. and her need of control, and how she can be kind of cruel sometimes. And Amy being the same thing, and her being kind of loose with mm. other people's feelings, um, and Donna being how rude she can be um and i don't really know what rose's main f- i think the mo the main flaw that i think really would make her stand out and make her kind of pop more and more a more vivid character mm-hmm. is if the show acknowledges how badly she treats mickey because mm-hmm. that really is a driving force is her relationship with him and that's so it gets so little time and so little focus like yeah. she's known they it's her boyfriend they've known each other for so many years and she just disses him like that and we don't rev, ever really get into it except for like that one moment where he's sad and then she's like do you want to rent a hotel room and we can have sex like it's just like yeah the thing is i think rose has faults like she can be kind of rude she can be kind of callous but they're not really recognized by the show exactly. as anything bad. Yeah. And like throughout season two, she's really strange at times and f- seems very detached from real life and from her family. And she has almost like, um, she almost gets a case of hubris as she's traveling with the doctor um, and thinks that, you know, the two of them can do anything and they're the only two people who sort of matter in the world. Uh, or at times it comes across as that. But the show paints it as this wonderful romantic thing rather than something problematic. Yeah, and obviously it's not, just to clarify, it's like it's not like we think it's just problematic, but it's just, it's not like perfect. It's not like a Disney romance. It's not like... no. And they loved each other at the end. It was so easy. Like, Yeah, because other people get hurt yeah. by the way Tan and Rose treat them. Yeah. And they just completely ignore it because they're so focused on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I think also Rose has so, so just really become a self-insert for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's also why I think later on with Ten specifically that romance unless you're kind of inserting yourself in Rose it's kind of you feel kind of left out Mm. because no one else matters but them yes kind of yeah yeah we talked about this but they come across very much as like the couple in high school in like in school in your class and like just these two people who think that just because they're dating they're more they're better and more important than everyone else yeah and i mean even in this season we have adam from the long game yeah and so it's and when you think about it that 
really shows a kind of meanness within her that she's mm-hmm. first of all just able to leave her entire family leave Jackie without saying a word and I mean even if you have a time machine and you can go back like five minutes later even though you've traveled for a year for you you're still leaving like Mm -hmm. I don't know and uh yeah and leaving Mickey and then kind of like not just leaving me she's leaving Mickey she's dating someone else while also and it's also like this kind of coldness towards the doctor because she has that romance with him and she knows that he likes her and she likes him but at the same time she really brings along this guy from yeah how did they even meet i don't even remember oh yeah adam adam yeah it's Mm. no he's in in the long game no not the long game but the other episode that's very similar where they open up their foreheads yeah anyway yeah, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that when we watch those episodes. Yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, that's why I don't know. Like when I talk about Rose, hopefully this will change for this season the more I get into it. But right now I don't have a lot to say about her other than how much I like Billy and how charismatic Billy is yeah. in this role. Yeah, because like, I really like Rose because she just feels like a real person and it's yeah. not like when I'm hanging out with my friends I'm like but does this person have a distinct personality and, you know you just you just are your own person and Billy really feels like that or Rose I should say Rose just feels like she could be one of my friends but I think that I think uh, yeah I think that kind of boils down into performance if someone else exactly. played her it would not work it would just be like okay yeah it would be a different character maybe yeah, but I mean, like, if someone like, say, Samuel Anderson played, <laughs> played Rose, you know, someone who can't really act or no. is not no. really expressive or charismatic, then Rose would just be very flat. Yeah, definitely. But, but I think something that's so definitive for her is that she, again, like the whole thing, like her losing her dad, that's a character part, but like it's never really addressed that her mom raised her on her own, which I think would define her a lot. And again, the working class thing, like she, she's, she's got a job when she's 19 and she quit school, but it's not something that sticks out for me. Like that's something that I have to pick up on mm-hmm. my third rewatch. Yeah. The thing about quitting school, I think could definitely have been addressed more because that's really interesting. Yeah. Like, why did she do that? Why did, well, who was that guy? But I, I don't know if I entirely agree. I think she's, that comes across even though they don't sit down and talk about it. Like her relationship with Jackie and the way they live and their like social status and whatever. I yeah. think it's it's not like anything explicit, but I think it um, shapes how she is. Yeah, maybe. This is, this is for later on, but just thinking of obviously you don't have to address it every single time like Rose doesn't have to walk around and be like I can't afford stuff Mm -hmm. and obviously I think like costume design set design where they live everything is Mm -hmm. tells us that Mm -hmm. like if that hadn't been on point you wouldn't really be able to tell which is kind of goes for that being unsaid but like in the Christmas special when the Christmas tree Christmas tree like completely desolates their entire apartment Mm. I mean, for my family, who's 
middle class, like pretty much everyone here in Sweden, it's that wouldn't like obviously that would be hard, but like I think for working class people, obviously that would be devastating because your apart your apartment's ruined, and how do you get? Because you weren't planning to put that money mm-hmm. on that, like that's money you plan to use for something else. Like, like yeah. obviously you have to have a kind of yeah plan. I don't know. Yeah, it's never really brought up. I, I and I don't, I don't, and I don't think there has to be. Obviously, I don't think there has to be a scene where Rose is like, it's so hard that we're kind of poor, or something like that. And I just because yeah, Rose comes across as like very content with what she has. Yeah. She's not, like, someone who wants more or who has, like, big dreams about living in a fancy apartment. No. she She's, like, she just gets by. She's a very practical person, I think. So, yeah, yeah. she just goes to this job and does what she needs to do and, like, kind of gets by. And towards the end of the season, you know, it becomes clear that she isn't entirely content and she wants like meaning in her life but i think she's kind of pushed those thoughts aside right yeah or i mean i think she's just been brought up not to want a lot of things and Mm. i don't think yeah i think that's natural for her to be like um yeah to just make the most of any situation yeah and i mean obviously I think that's good that they don't do a whole thing about it because it, you also, like, the message shouldn't be, like, oh, it's so sad that Rose is poor and her life is so much harder and she wants to be rich. Yeah. Like, it's, we shouldn't, like, it, you shouldn't be, like, <laughs> looking down on people and be like, oh, I feel so bad for them. Like, that's not... No, also, like, this is, she's not really poor i mean this is no so many people live like this this is like the norm i know i think i think i'm just stuck on this because i've um read so many people who've talked about like her this or this entire season being quite working class yeah focused because rose is like the only character who has a job yeah as a companion except for martha but she's a medical student and that's quite quite yeah. high class to be able to do that but this you know and i just like just like a thought and obviously like i don't mean that we have to know this but just thinking like how do they earn all that money like what does jackie do yeah what does jackie do? i don't think jackie has a job i think rose works uh, that makes a lot of sense and then actually. i think that kind of i'm not bailing you out kind of thing makes fits better as a kind of like Rose is the one who has to mm. pay for stuff and her yeah. mom goes out shopping. Yeah. But again, Jackie has to have had a job because Pete died when Rose was a baby. So yeah. I think maybe sometime when Jackie... Maybe that was like a thing, like part of... This is just theory. I'm just coming up with things now. But like Jackie, obviously she says she quit school for that guy and she probably did, obviously, because that's what was written. But could have been a factor in it, like... I'm not going to go to uni because that costs money mm-hmm. and I'm going to work instead. Or yeah, I'm not even going to gonna finish school. Yeah, because I have to support my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more notes? I don't have any more notes. 
Should we wrap it up, maybe? Maybe we should wrap it up, because I think we really want to keep on talking about, like, the rest of the show. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about the whole show, no. this episode. But, yeah. I think I think we're done for the episode. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? <laughs> Do you have anything else? Yeah. Enemy of the pot of the week. Do we have one? Um, I mean, Noah Clark. Yes, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> was like the prominent one, I think. Yeah, Enemy of the Pot of the Week is basically a segment where we just... Or just like, in general, the team that allowed all the sexual harassment to take yeah. place. Yeah. Was the Enemy of the Week. Yeah. Uh, and Poem of the App. And I actually do have a poem for this episode. You do? I do. So, this week's poem of the app is called waiting for my life by linda paston i waited for my life to start for years standing at bus stops looking into the curved distance thinking each bus was the wrong bus or lost in books where i would travel without luggage from one page to another where the only breeze was the rustle of pages turning and lives rose and set in the violent colors of suns Sometimes my life coughed and coughed, a stalled car about to catch. And I would hold someone in my arms, though it was always someone else I wanted. Or I would board any bus, jostled, by thighs and elbows that knew where they were going, collecting scraps of talk, setting them down like bird song in my notebook, where someday I would go prospecting for my life. That's really good. And who was the poet? Um, Linda Paston. Linda Paston, thank you so much for that poem. Thank you, Linda, for writing about Rose. Yeah, that was great. And obviously that got into what we were talking about, Mickey and, and the Doctor. Yes. In someone's arms, though it was always someone else's I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, this just applies to Rose, the the character in general. Yeah. But obviously to this episode, because it's... The, her titular episode yeah and the start and her of her life yeah waiting yeah, for my life oh. and just like this whole montage of her getting on the bus and yeah waiting just normal it life. really evokes like the imagery of season one like, yeah like pre-season one you can really feel rose in this poem i think yeah how do we feel about the next episode? I'm really excited because I really like that episode. I think it's one of the best ones. It is. It's, yeah, a it's great... really good. This season really is like it starts really strong. Oh, and actually she does call Jackie in that episode. I just remembered. Oh, yeah. She gets the phone thing. Great. So Jackie doesn't like it. <laughs> For anyone listening to this and like screaming at the fact that we didn't say it. Yeah, sorry, an I, hour and I a forgot half about later, it. So she did. Remembered. She did hear from Rose before she disappeared for a year. That's oh yeah, that's comforting. Yeah, good for Jackie. Yeah, I look forward to it. I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, and we get to see some an iconic character for the first time. Cassandra. Yeah. Or do you mean the 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 meme the memes. <laughs> The reoccurring meme or whatever. Yeah, the, the the sisterhood of the reoccurring memes or oh, something like that. Yeah, they're great. The brotherhood, the sisterhood. Amazing. My yes. favorite. Or Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> Nicki Minaj. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening. And um, we'll see you when we see you. Yeah. Which is 
when I see you. That's and so- what is that? When I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I did get the you reference. You did get the reference. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.